0: Hello, everybody! Welcome to the Cursed God podcast. This podcast is going to be a story that I've been writing for a very long time. It's an action-adventure that takes place over multiple historical time periods. But that's enough rambling from me. I'm going to hand it off to the narrator. Once upon a time. Cliché, I know, but hear me out. In a whole nother galaxy, there was a planet. A planet not unlike our own, with oxygen and water and the essentials, yet also different, with magic and fantastical creatures far beyond the scope of our own planet's evolution. This planet was called, well, it was spelled T-E-A-R. However, philosophers over the course of existence could never agree whether it was tear, as in to tear apart, or tear, as in teardrop. I guess it just depends on the type of person you are. I personally prefer Ter. Anywho, on this planet of Ter, two beings existed who had been warring against each other for as long as anyone can remember. I don't think you need to know their names quite yet. For now, I will tell the stories of some of the people that one of those beings recruited to fight by his side. For starters, let's go back to the Golden Age of Exploration. Great wooden ships sailed the ocean, and Cutlass and Cannon ruled the waves. One man in particular would rise to a station far greater than any he had ever expected, and this is his story. I was sitting in my cabin aboard my ship. Myself and my crew had been contracted to protect a shipment of goods, spices, rum, sugar, and all that. "'My crew were very tough fellows, and we were contracted for this job "'because of the amount of pirates that prowled these waters. "'We were sort of like private security. "'Anywho, I was in my cabin, enjoying a book, "'when there was a frantic knock at the door. "'Enter,' I said calmly. "'A young man stepped through the door. "'Sir,' said the man, "'or a lookout has spotted a ship. "'She's not flying any colors.' I grumbled and walked outside. The lookout pointed the direction that this unknown aggressor was in. I could barely see the ship. I certainly couldn't make out any details from this distance. I pulled out my spyglass and began searching for any marks of identification. I scanned the ship until I saw the flag. The flag depicted the skull of a shark with bloodied teeth eating the skull of a man. The figurehead was a laughing hyena, and the sails were black and also depicted this flag. I cursed under my breath and put away my spyglass. This ship was the frenzied rogue, belonging to the pirate Maelstrom. He was one of the most bloodthirsty pirates in the world. He was also crazy. He wouldn't hesitate to attack a much stronger party than himself, and he usually won. I quickly signaled the ship we were protecting to flee. I also gave the order to turn our ship that our broadside would face him. Maelstrom was famous for never giving up the chase. The best we could do was distract him, so our charge could flee in safety. Who knows? We might have even been capable of defeating him. We began firing on his ship. I could see the wooden splinters flying off from it, even from this great distance. And a great explosion rocked the deck of my ship just a few feet away from me. Maelstrom must have had cannons positioned at the front of his ship. He was returning fire. Red soaked onto the deck of my ship as a man fell next to me with a hole in his stomach. The cabin boys began spreading sand all over the deck to soak up blood and prevent slipping. Maelstrom wasn't changing his course. He was headed straight for us. Brace yourselves and prepare to be boarded, I cried. I grabbed onto a railing and held tight for the inevitable. Crash! The whole of Maelstrom's ship came thundering into that of my own. Pirates began throwing grappling hooks and leaping aboard. I pulled out my pistol and cutlass and charged toward battle. It was deafening. The sound of steel on steel and gunfire. Utter chaos was rampaging across the deck of my ship. Two pirates were approaching me. I shot one and he fell before he even got close. The second swung at me. I sidestepped and slashed down his chest. He fell, bleeding profusely. The sound of a battle cry betrayed my third attacker. Instinctively, I rolled forward, narrowly missing the slash of his cutlass. I spun around, rising to my full height. He tried to swing again, but I stepped into it and caught his wrist. I smacked him with the butt of my pistol, and while he was dazed, I cut open his stomach. I felt a coldness on my side and realized that last pirate must have cut me. It was a minor wound, nothing to be worried about. I took a moment to look around at the carnage. Brutal and meaningless. Friends and enemies falling all around me. Nothing on their minds except for one thing. Survive. Suddenly I saw him looming out of the gun smoke. I could tell by the way he walked. And the tremendous presence he commanded. This was Maelstrom, named for the great storm that's claimed many a ship and crew, a surprisingly short man of broad build, wearing a heavy maroon coat, with a long bushy beard, the colour of blood. At the same time, he saw me, in my fine garb. He was savvy to the uniforms of the King's Navy, and decided that I was the captain. He let out a tremendous roar and came barreling towards me. I barely had time to raise my sword to block his strike, and just like that we were fighting. Dodges and parries, swings and slashes. We were locked in a majestic dance of death, where the penalty for a misstep would be our lives. However, the pain in my side grew worse. I began to falter. Maelstrom seized upon this and pulled out a pistol, shooting me in the leg. I dropped my sword and clutched my leg in agony. I looked around and saw my men dropping their weapons in surrender. I managed one last look at my foe, just in time, to see him swing his sword. I felt a sharp pain in my neck. Then suddenly there was darkness. I awoke on the floor of my room. I had fallen out of my bed again. I rubbed my face to wake myself "'stretched, and made my bed. "'Once I was satisfied with the condition of my room, "'I went downstairs to report the dream that I had had. "'Mother had already prepared breakfast, "'and Father had just come back from chopping wood. Mm-hmm. "'As I sat down to eat, I told them about my dream. "'That is quite an unusual dream,' said my mother. "'I don't believe it for a second "'There's no way my son would lose,' said my dad with a wink. "'You shouldn't worry yourself about pirates. "'You've other things to worry about, like not being late for your chores,' "'said my ornery grandfather, who had just walked into the room. "'And I had to admit he had a point. "'I quickly finished my breakfast and ran down the winding path into town. "'I should mention that I was an unusual child.' Most young boys my age would have apprenticed and be learning a trade by now. However, my parents had decided they wanted me to learn many trades, that I might be prepared for all instances. We set up an arrangement with the town, where on different days of the week I would spend time learning from the different tradesmen and artisans that I might pick up their skills, and better prepare myself for any life that I wished to have. I spent my childhood learning woodwork, blacksmithy, cooking, farming, hunting, sailing, and fighting. And today was one of my favorite days of the week. Because today I started with some baking lessons from Sophia and her family. Her children and I always got goodies as a reward for helping her. And afterwards, I spent the rest of my day learning to fight and sail with the commander of the fort, Commander Robbins. I suppose it's quite appropriate that I was an unusual child because I lived in an unusual town. We had a local fort which dealt with external affairs such as pirates or trade, but we also had a local militia That would deal with mostly things in the town, law and order, thievery, etc., etc. Both, however, agreed to fight in defense of the town during attacks, and both have fought in defense of the town. My father actually led the militia, but I digress. At the end of the day, I would come home, and my father would give me personal fighting lessons to teach me how to combat anything I learned from Robbins. He claimed that in a war, I would need to know less how to fight like a soldier, and more how to fight soldiers. This was the way my childhood was spent for many, many years. But that night, everything changed. Well, that was foreboding, wasn't it? I wonder what happens next. The only way to find out is to come back for episode two.